you're listening to the Telltale Podcast. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, on Patreon, on Teespring, and on Etsy. All links can be found on my website, telltaleatheist.com, or in the podcast's description. Today we're going to be talking about the Shroud of Turin. We're going to be talking about activist Mommy and her positions on the anti-vax movement. She released some new blog articles about it. We're going to be talking about a student being expelled from a Christian school. We'll be talking about some transformed wife stuff. Let's take a look at all that. But before we get into it, let's listen to some voicemails. Hey, Owen. It's our Telltale. Hey, it's... Uh... My name is Emma, and um, I was just calling because I've had a bit of a rough week. My wife um, of almost four years came out to her parents as trans. Um, we were both married, uh, like, and we were witnesses and shit. So she read them a letter and just stuff we've been dealing with for um, the, over the last year. She wrote them a letter, finally telling them, like I'm a trans woman and um, that, you know, the witnesses isn't, life isn't for her, um, just some of our, our qualms with it. Um, and obviously they've decided to shun us, but just because we knew it would happen doesn't mean it makes it any easier. So anyway, um, also uh, we listen to this YouTuber Vosh a lot and um, I've, always feel like you guys should connect because he's like a socialist and he talks about trans rights a lot and I know you said you have a family member and you've been going through that. I think it would be interesting to see the uh, two communities merge a little bit. All right, thanks and um, you're awesome and we really appreciate your work. Hang in there. Bye. Appreciate that. That's awesome. I can't even imagine what it's like to be coming out of Jehovah's Witnesses and transitioning at the same time that must be just a ridiculous situation to deal with i can't imagine what dealing with family members and old friends is like in that type of situation so my sympathies with you for having to go through that as far as i know vash or vouch is friends with some of my friends we are connected loosely in the community and i like a lot of the things that they say a lot of the things that they stand for I think it's really good. Of course, as you mentioned, I think Vouch is a socialist or close to it anyway. I don't I don't really know. I'm not. You know, I have no issue with people who share that ideology or those ideas or political positions. That's fine with me. I just don't think that it's the best political system that we could use. There are I think we should use a hybrid system. So a lot of people wonder where I sit politically. I'm a Bernie Sanders supporter all the way. And Bernie gets accused of being socialist a lot, accused, quote unquote. He's not actually a socialist. As I said, I share Bernie's political positions pretty closely. I'm in favor of a system that's like a hybrid of socialism slash capitalism. So anyway, yeah, Vouch seems like a pretty cool guy to me just from what I've seen, what I know, and from the people that I know that also know him, they say he's pretty cool, so I don't know. It would be cool to talk to him at some point. Maybe I will. I'm a uh, closeted trans lesbian, and I was born in, and lived to this day in uh, deep Utah. My parents and most of my family are Mormon, and I haven't, but I haven't been a believer in for years. But uh, recently my parents announced to me and my siblings that they're no longer Mormon. Uh, so I want to come out to the out of the closet to them. 
especially since they've made it clear that they would still love and support me and my siblings, even if we are gay. However, it seems like my dad and probably my mom, too, all still believe that uh, transsexuality isn't really real and that no one is ever really happy when they decide to identify as their preferred gender. My dad had found out that I was trans years ago, and that's when the belief uh, first came to life, uh, to light, but I don't think he remembers. I desperately want to come out to them, but I'm afraid they wouldn't accept it like they did years ago when they were still active Mormons. Thankfully, they probably won't kick me out, and even if they do, I'm almost 20, and I have an uncle nearby who would probably let me stay at his place. Is there any advice you can give me about how to come out to my newly non-Mormon parents? Thank you if you decide to respond, and sorry that was long. I just couldn't think of anyone else to ask for help. So this person basically is a Mormon or an ex-Mormon, and they are trans. They are identifying as something other than the gender that they were uh, assigned at birth, basically. And they aren't really sure how to deal with that. They're, they're not sure how to handle it. They said their parents would be loving and supporting even if they were gay. But they're completely ass backwards on the trans issue. The onus is not on you to educate your parents or teach them or or help them to come to understand your experiences or what you're going through. Uh, so y you shouldn't feel obligated to do that with your parents. However, doing so may be in your best interests. If your parents are accepting of homosexuality, that tells me it's possible that maybe they're not complete extremists. Like maybe they haven't gone the whole way yet. And maybe you could possibly, hopefully, move them over to your position and get them to understand what you're going through and be more accepting. Um, as I said, it's not on you to do that if you don't want to or if you are afraid to. But it may be, it may be helpful. I mean, maybe they could come around to see and understand your feelings on these issues and, and the situation that you find yourself in. And maybe they, they could come to be supportive so just take it one day at a time and as i said about veganism recently you need to start in their overton window you need to start in their realm of acceptable discourse and logically take them over to yours they need to see the logical steps there to understand how you got to where you are and who you are and why you are that way and and all that other stuff try not to just drop the conclusions on them immediately or, or drop all of this information if possible work them into it kind of work them toward w the conclusions that you have come to or work them toward the experiences that you're having and things like that and maybe it could help but good luck with it i hope things turn out well for you in this situation genuinely hey um owen morgan telltale um, my name is Alexander Ash. I'm a huge fan of your channel, and I'm also a huge fan of Jamie's. Um, but I had a question for you relating to depression and loss when you're an atheist. How do you deal with it? Like, how do you grieve as an atheist? Because, like, 
I feel like I haven't been able to get past my own loss within my lifetime, and I'm an atheist. It just it makes me personally feel a little bit more afraid to um, to die, is what it feels like. And I wanted to know how you dealt with those types of feelings. Okay, so how do I deal with those types of feelings? Christopher Hitchens famously said something like, or something to the effect of, there are people out there who wish that God was real. Personally, I don't. Of course, coming from the mouth of Christopher Hitchens. He was absolutely disgusted at the behavior of God and the terrible things that God did in the Bible and, and all of that other stuff. And of course I am too, as an atheist. If you just like take a step back from the Bible and read it, not as a Christian, but just as like a normal person, you realize how horrific that thing really is. Like it's so terrible. And all of the things in it that God did are just awful. But one way that Christopher Hitchens and I differ is I would love for this to be true. I, honestly, I don't want to die. Like, I would rather live forever in paradise or in heaven or wherever I would happen to be. I would prefer for that to be true. It's just not. So how do you deal with it? I don't have a good answer for that. My grandfather, it turns out, I found out recently has cancer. And my grandmother, I found out even more recently, also has cancer, kidney cancer. And they're two of the most important people in my life. So how do I deal with that? There is no good answer to that. You just keep going, and that's all there is to it. You, you, personally, I try to appreciate the fact that I'm here for the short time that I have, and I try to make the world a better place than it was when I found it, it, to the best of my ability. And I take solace in the fact that I'm passing on my genes and my knowledge to another generation who will maybe also make the world a better place than it was when, when she found it. And the experiences and knowledge and expertise that I pass on to my daughter will hopefully be with her and affect her and the people around her for the rest of her life. That's what I want for my grandparents when they die. I want to take the knowledge and love and expertise and experiences that they gave to me and pass them on to other people. That way they are affecting the world still, even after they have died. They affect the people around me. So I'm affecting the, or they're affecting the world through me, basically, continually, even after they've died. So that's, whatever small consolation that is, it's better than nothing. So that's, that's where I, uh, that's my takeaway with it. Hi, Telltale. Um, my name's Sarah, and uh, I just figured that, uh, I want to say uh, thank you for uh, all the hard work that you do, and uh, I can't imagine what you've been through with your daughter and all that uh, difficulties in life. I suppose my biggest message or question, rather, would be uh, how do you cope with uh, your past, um, if you don't mind sharing that is. Um, I am a Patreon big supporter. 
uh, I hope uh, everything goes well with you. How do I cope with my past? That's a good question. Um, people tell me that I am strong for making it through a lot of the stuff that I've been through. I didn't make it through that stuff because I'm strong. I am strong as a result of making it through that stuff. My mom has shunned me for years. My mom has mistreated me for years. My whole family has mistreated me for years. I mean, my dad was physically abusive, mentally abusive. I had no choice but to go through that stuff. It wasn't like I said, you know what? I'm doing it. I'm here and I'm going to go through it even though I don't have to. It's not like that. I was going through it no matter what. It was going to happen. And there is no give up button. Like, there's no backing out of this. I looked like a train wreck coming out the other side. But here I am. A lot of stuff is still really painful and shitty to deal with. For example, my mom has been messaging my daughter Kylie on her phone like they she, you know she has her phone number and she's been asking her if she could come to her fifth grade graduation I have no issue with them having a relationship I'm pretty confident that Kylie is perfectly mentally safe like I don't think my mom is going to drag her into Jehovah's Witnesses I don't really fear that and generally I encourage relationships between Kylie and my mother and 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 anybody else. I encourage that stuff. But that means I'm going to have to deal with my mom. She's going to be coming here and she's going to I'm going to be faced with it again. Is she going to talk to me? Is she going to hug me? Is she going to look at me? What's going to happen? I'm going to have to face all that again. And it's not going to be fun. No matter what. Even if my mom were to come here and have a normal relationship with me for like the week that she's here or whatever. Just super chill, go hang out and go get dinner together and all that. Not happening. It's not going to happen. But even if it did, even if it went splendidly, the moment my mom gets on that plane to leave, it's all over again for who knows how many years. No matter how easy things get for me now, it's still hard. And like I said, I have no choice but to go through it. I have no option. There's no back out button, you know. But it makes me stronger. It makes me stronger and more ready to deal with this stuff in the future. So take that for what little consolation you will. Hello, my name's Brett. I'm an undergraduate physics and math double major in my final semester at college. I was just wondering... Who's going to win in Armageddon, the devil or God slash Jesus? I'm just curious. Thanks. Cool, cool question, actually. And again, I've mentioned this on Twitter. I absolutely love the transcriptions. Let me just read the transcription for this. I was just wondering who's going to win the or if you had the devil or God slash Jesus. C-H-E-E-S-E-S. -E 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 just curious. Thanks. Love it. So uh, I've mentioned this before, but the God in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, is a monster, right? Like, just read the Old Testament. Read all the terrible things that God did and realize, like, the God of the Old Testament is a monster. 
it's almost like the the Old Testament was written as though there was a battle between Satan and God, and the bad guy won, and had the writers of the Bible write him like he was a good guy, like try to put a you know rose-colored film over all of the horrific stuff that he did. I mean, that's, that's how it reads. I just thought that was like a super fascinating perspective. I don't remember who gave me that perspective. Somebody did. I think it was a theistic Satanist on Discord at one point. Anyway, this question actually does bring up a really good point. Who is going to win in Armageddon? The devil or God? That's an interesting point because a lot of the time people... You know, Christians will just say Armageddon's going to happen and then, you know, whatever. Uh, fill in the blank here. Armageddon is going to happen and then we'll all live in paradise. Armageddon's going to happen and then we'll all live in heaven. We'll all be raptured or whatever else. Why is there a battle in the first place? The fact that there's a battle in the first place implies that one side may or may not win, right? It's kind of strange to me that Christians automatically assume that that Jesus is going to win this war against Satan. Why is there a war? Snap your fingers and end it. Isn't that possible? I mean, isn't God all-powerful and all-knowing? God basically wrote this playbook of exactly how everything is going to happen and handed it to Satan. You think the dude hasn't read the thing? And now he's expecting to get into a battle and win. It's just like when you kind of expand on the lore, it all kind of falls to pieces and you realize how completely nonsensical the entire thing is. At least it seems that way to me. I, I know I probably have some Christians in my audience. I don't know, but it, it's really, really bizarre. Hey, I'm Will, and I wanted to know if there's any evidence against the Shroud of Turin, because I think that it's probably the strongest argument for Christianity right now, and I'm always looking for the truth, so I want to know if you know of anything that proves it's wrong. It's a good question. The Shroud of Turin, a lot of people don't know about this, but I found this article that I wanted to read about the Shroud of Turin. So this is on NBC News. The title is, Forensic Research Once Again Suggests the Shroud of Turin is Fake. Uh, a lot of you guys don't know what the Shroud of Turin is, I imagine, but this article is going to get into it a little bit. The caller basically said it's probably the strongest argument for Christianity. There are stronger arguments than the Shroud of Turin. Um, I don't think it's the strongest by any stretch. I don't really know a whole lot about good arguments in favor of Christianity. I don't think I've really heard any, but a lot of the time people seem to harp on the resurrection of Jesus as the best evidence. Uh, personally, I have doubt that the guy even existed. There were historians in the area during that time, and they did not record anything about the events that the Bible reports on. I hesitate to say that there is any good evidence for Christianity. I'm sure there's probably something, but I haven't heard it. Anyways, the Shroud of Turin is not good evidence, I would say. Uh, let's read the article and see what it says about it. Forensic scientists have once again concluded that the Shroud of Turin supposedly the burial cloth Jesus was wrapped in after his crucifixion was artificially created. 
The shroud, which is kept in the Cathedral of St. John the Baptist in, in Turin, Italy, has long been a subject of controversy within the Catholic community. Believers say its stains are the blood of Jesus, while others have questioned whether the stains are even blood at all. The new research is in line with numerous previous studies that have concluded that the shroud is not authentic. Earlier carbon dating work has determined that it dates to 1260 to 1390. Jesus is generally believed to have died in the year 33. And a blue ribbon panel called the Turin Commission concluded in 1979 that stains on the garment are likely pigments, not blood. While textile experts and art historians have suggested that the materials and images are not from the right era. As early as 1390, about 35 years after the shroud first emerged in France, Pierre d'Arcis, the Catholic bishop in Troyes, wrote to Pope Clement VII that the shroud was a clever sleight of hand by someone falsely declaring this was the actual shroud in which Jesus was enfolded in the tomb to attract the multitude so that money might cunningly be wrung from them. So people at the time when the Shroud of Turin appeared had their doubts, basically, that this was legitimate in any way. Um, they basically denied it outright at the time. And now we have the technology we need, i.e. carbon dating and other uh, dating methods, to determine that it is not from when Jesus died. The artistry on the Shroud and everything else on this piece of fabric does not date to the correct time period at all. All of the evidence that we have points to the idea that the Shroud of Turin was made up, basically. That it was a, a hoax at the time in the 1312 to 1300s. Even if the Shroud of Turin did turn out to be real, and it really was this thing that Jesus died in, or the, the thing that Jesus was wrapped up in after he died, it doesn't mean that Jesus was a, a divine being. It doesn't mean that he performed miracles. Doesn't mean, it means that he was just a normal dude, and we happened to find this piece of cloth that he was wrapped up in when he died. That's what it means. So I, I don't look at the Shroud of Turin as evidence for Christianity. At best, I look at it as kind of a, a token of uh, Christianity, just like a piece of history from it, at best. In reality, I, I'm very hard-pressed to believe that it's real. But even if it were, does not mean that uh, Jesus was Lord, basically. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be taking a look at activist Mommy and some of her really strange ideas uh, we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Podcast. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, on Patreon, on Teespring, and on Etsy. All links can be found on my website, telltaleatheist.com, or in the podcast's description. Stick around. We've got more coming up. The next article I wanted to take a look at is called WikiHow article shows children how to get vaccinated without parental consent. And of course, this is by activist Mommy. Uh, this woman is something else. So let's give it a read and see what activist Mommy has to say. Over at WikiHow, a website that offers user-provided instructions on how to do 
just about anything you can imagine, like playing chess, being a leader, making edible glitter, keeping your pipes from freezing, or making critical decisions about your health care as a minor without the consent or knowledge of your parents. If that last one sounded a little bit out of place, congratulations, you're a sane human being. Okay. I just want to point something out here real quick. Um, WikiHow is a place that anybody can say or put instructions to do basically anything at all, whether that's harmful or helpful or whatever it happens to be. There's a WikiHow for everything. We're about to rage, so let's get to the rage point before I... Uh, comment any further an instructional article teaching children three ways to get vaccinated without parental consent on the site recently went viral having been read over 87,000 times in the article the anonymous authors guide children of any age through making plans getting the shots and handling any aftermath okay first of all wikihow should not be endorsing anything that's illegal i don't think that this is illegal i don't think that they explained how to do this in an illegal way you know i haven't read the article so it's possible but there are legal ways to get vaccinated without your parents consent because it's for public safety and public good and i'm glad that an article exists explaining how to do this uh, the fact that it went semi-viral, 87,000 views, is actually a pretty good sign to me. Wait a second, I thought we weren't supposed to make medical decisions based on articles we find online. Or is that only when the decision doesn't align with medical community dogma? Must be. Nope! I just want to make this clear here. The WikiHow article is not trying to guide you to make medical decisions. It's telling you how to execute a medical decision that you've already made. And also, it's not from a mommy group. Basically, any uh, medical information you get from a mommy group should probably be discarded immediately. <laughs> you shouldn't be going to mommy groups for medical information. Go to actual resources like uh, scholarly articles and things like that. Uh, news websites could be helpful for that. There's a lot of misinformation about vaccines online, and sometimes well-meaning parents fall into rabbit holes of conspiracy theories and made-up facts. The article condescendingly begins. That's true enough. I mean, I can definitely agree on that one. While they often intend to protect their children, not vaccinating has the opposite effect and leaves kids more vulnerable to dangerous and even deadly diseases. Not only does it leave kids vulnerable to dangerous and even deadly diseases, it leaves other people, not, not just you, but other people susceptible to dangerous diseases. It is absolutely absurd to me that this woman is anti-vax, and it's disgusting, but somehow it does not surprise me at all. The introduction continues, giving a casual reminder that vaccination, like any medical procedure, carries certain risks, and receiving vaccines without your parents' or guardians' knowledge will make it more difficult for them to help you in the unlikely event of a problem. I'm not really sure what problem they would be talking about here. How reassuring, says activist mommy, to start the process of receiving vaccines without parental consent or any regard whatsoever for a parent's reasoning or ref uh, for refusing or delaying vaccination. The article apprises children of some of their options, which include, now we're going to read some of the options here, vaccines are far more helpful than hurtful. I have seen personally zero evidence that vaccines are dangerous. I have seen zero evidence 
that it's dangerous to space vaccines close together. In fact, this, the vaccine schedule is set up the way it is for specific reasons. You need to get them within certain time frames because if you don't, it's possible they, they may not work. You need to follow the schedule laid out by the scientific community for vaccines to work correctly. So the fact that she's saying we're doing it without any regard for a parent's reasoning, obviously the parent's reasoning has failed here because this is just objectively a fact. Vaccines are far more helpful than harmful. There's absolutely zero reason to do that outside of specific medical situations, which prevents people from being able to get vaccines. That, that, that does happen. That is the case in some situations. And for those people who can't, who legitimately cannot, everybody else needs to have vaccinations. Everybody else needs to have immunity to this stuff so that it doesn't spread through uh, the population. Do you know how easy it is to catch measles? Measles is a vicious disease. Like, it's airborne, first of all, and it can sit in the air for like hours and hours, days after somebody who had measles was there. If they step into an elevator and breathe in the elevator and then leave the elevator, anybody who hasn't had the measles vaccination who gets in that elevator in the next like four hours or two days or something like that will almost certainly catch it. It is so infectious that if you were born before a certain year, like before the measles vaccine came out, they assume you had it. Everybody had it. So it's not just for you or your kids. It's for society's safety. This is not something to play around with, seriously. To start the process of receiving vaccines without parental consent or any regard whatsoever for a parent's reasoning for refusing or delaying vaccination, the article apprises children of some of their options, which include get vaccinated in secret if your local law allows it. Good. If your local law allows it. That's an extremely important point. If your local law allows it, you don't want to break the law and wiki how should not be endorsing breaking the law, which it looks like they're not here. Try asking for your family to get to let you be vaccinated. You may be able to convince them. That's actually a really important good point too. Try asking your doctor, your school nurse, or another responsible adult to help convince your family. Petition the court for emancipation if your parents are really bad. Weird wording. Wait until you're 18 if you think that your parents would severely punish or abuse you if they learned that you disobeyed them. Those actually sound like um, perfectly acceptable steps. That seems perfectly honest to me. Petition the court for emancipation if your parents are really bad. How in the world did anyone think it's a good idea to introduce such a thought into the head of a child? By what metrics is a child supposed to determine that their parents are really bad? Vaccine refusal alone? Should parents lose their children for refusing to vaccinate? This is insane. Uh, I don't think that they should lose their children if they refuse to vaccinate. But if they're actually breaking the law, if the parents are breaking the law in some way, they should. So my sister moved to West Virginia a while back, like years and years and years ago, probably 10 years ago or something. She moved here and she was anti-vax at the time. She is no longer anti-vax. But when she moved here from Texas, Texas had 
uh, no vaccination laws for school. Kids were allowed to just not be vaccinated for one reason or another, different exemptions. And my sister got those exemptions. So her kids were not vaccinated originally, my, my nieces and nephew. When she moved to West Virginia, as it turns out, there are no exemptions, as far as I know, or very, very few exemptions for vaccination in my state. If your kid is in public school, you straight up have to get them vaccinated, period. So when she moved here, she got her kids vaccinated. Luckily, it could have honestly been a lot worse than it was. Uh, I'm really glad that she kind of started to see it for what it was, that it was just complete BS. But in that case, they will take your kids if you refuse to vaccinate and try to send them to school anyways. And if the school refuses their enrollment, you just don't send them to school. They'll, they'll take your kids or they'll put you in jail or both. So you, I'm sorry, you just have to follow the law. That's just how it is. For its part, the article does encourage children early on to attempt to discuss the issue with their parents, offering starter questions. Yeah, it seems to me like that's pretty much the, the whole basis of the article is trying to convince your parents, which is 100% legit to me. Like, I'm so for that, honestly. I think that's a really good, a really good article on WikiHow, if that's what they're doing. Here are some of the starter questions. Why did you choose not to vaccinate me? Were you afraid something bad would happen if you did? I've read about what shingles can do to the body. I'm scared. I don't want that to happen to me. I found some research on vaccine safety. May I show it to you? I understand that people are saying a lot of scary things and that it can be hard to figure out what's true and what isn't true. I know it must be difficult for you. What could I do to show you how much this means to me? So one of the most popular arguments against vaccination is that it causes autism that's a complete lie it's completely made up that is not true at all it it was linked to autism by one guy who did one study and that study was disproven completely disproven yanked from the peer-reviewed journal that it was originally published in, and he had his license revoked uh, for publishing that. It was not true at all. I think the guy's name was Wakefield or something like that. But that myth persists. It causes autism, quote-unquote. Completely false. There is no basis for that at all. And honestly, if it did cause autism, if that were true, which it isn't, but if it were, we should just be doing a simple math equation here. How many people, what percentage of the population died from polio and measles, mumps, rubella, whooping cough, all of the vaccines in the world, all of them? What percentage of people died from all of those diseases versus what percentage of people have autism today? Simple math equation. It should be obvious that you should be getting vaccinated, period. I guess that's all I really have to say about the issue, about this this article completely absurd and this is the kind of thing that you can expect from activist mommy honestly i had no idea that she was anti-vax now i do <laughs> i don't even know what to say like she i i didn't know this woman could get worse but she did somehow let's take a break in a minute we're going to be taking a look at a student being expelled from a christian school and why she was expelled so give us about 30 seconds we will be right back 
you're listening to the Telltale Podcast. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, on Patreon, on Teespring, and on Etsy. All links can be found on my website, telltaleatheist.com, or in the podcast's description. Stick around, we've got more coming up. This article is from The Hill. The title is Student Expelled from Christian School After Posing with Rainbow Birthday Cake. The mother of a freshman high school student says her daughter was ousted from a Kentucky Christian school over a photo of her wearing a rainbow sweater next to a rainbow cake. Let's give this a read. It's by Joseph uh, Guzman on The Hill, as aforementioned. A Kentucky high school student was expelled from a Christian school after administrators saw a photo of the girl from her 15th birthday wearing a rainbow sweater posing next to a rainbow cake, according to the girl's mother. Kimberly Alford claims her daughter, Kayla Kenny, was dismissed from Whitefield Academy in Louisville, Kentucky, where she was a freshman after the photo was posted on social media earlier this month. She was happy. She looked beautiful, Alford told Wave of Louisville. Of course, as a mom, I took her picture blowing out her candles, and I posted that on my Facebook page. But following the birthday post, Alfred says she received a letter from the school claiming the picture was not in line with the school's policies. The Whitefields Academy administration has been made aware of a recent picture posted on social media which demonstrates a posture of morality and cultural acceptance contrary to that of Whitefield Academy's beliefs the Academy's head of school, Bruce Jacobson, wrote in the letter. We made it clear that any further promotion, celebration, or any other actions and attitudes that are counter to Whitefield's philosophy would not be tolerated. As a result, we regret to inform you that Kayla is being dismissed from the school immediately. That is a shame, honestly. I talked about uh, the Methodist Church recently... Uh, having a big split right down the middle over homophobia. Basically, there was one sect of the church who wanted to prevent pastors from being gay or LGBT at all. And then another group of the church didn't care, wanted to be inclusive and accepting. And there was a schism right down the middle of the church over these issues. And I feel like we're starting to see more of that type of thing. I mean, look at this. This this news article, this made the news, this situation. That is a good sign. When something as simple and basic as having a rainbow cake, birthday cake, gets you kicked out of school, and then that makes the news. That's a good sign. It, it means society is moving in the right direction. So... As disappointing as this is, we are making progress little by little. Let's continue reading. Although rainbows have been a symbol of gay pride and acceptance for uh, over the decades, Alfred says her daughter's matching rainbow cake and sweater were coincidental. The Whitefield Academy's handbook says the school seeks to mold students to be Christ-like. On occasion, the atmosphere or conduct within a particular home may be counter or in opposition to the biblical lifestyle the school teaches. The handbook states... This includes, but is not limited to, sexual immorality, homosexual orientation, or the inability to support biblical standards of right and wrong. In a statement to NBC News, the Whitefield Academy said the photo was one of several violations carried out by the teen. Okay, what other violations, quote-unquote, were there? I am very, very skeptical. On that note, it's also pretty creepy that 
you know, there are people like watching this woman's Facebook page for what her daughter is doing. Why are they even doing that? That's like a complete invasion of privacy. Can't she just live her life and not like, I just don't get this. Inaccurate media reports are circling, stating this is a quote, by the way, I think from the school. Inaccurate media reports are circling, stating that the student in question was expelled from her school solely for a social media post, the statement said. In the fall, we met with the student to give her a final chance to begin to adhere to our code of conduct. Unfortunately, she did not live up to the agreement. Alfred says the school immediately denied her appeal to the expulsion, but the Whitefield Academy agreed to remove it from her transcript and change it to a voluntary withdrawal. The freshman has since relocated to a new public school. Good. That's probably the best thing for her, honestly. Um, a Christian school that is extreme enough to ban rainbows, like, it, it, that, that's just a step too far, honestly. Like, way too many steps, truthfully. Like, that's just terrible. So I'm glad that this girl is going to a public school, honestly, where she won't have to deal with that shit. She can have as many rainbows as she wants. When we come back, we're going to take a look at a transformed wife blog post. Give us just a minute. We will be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Podcast. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, on Patreon, on Teespring, and on Etsy. All links can be found on my website, telltaleatheist.com, or in the podcast's description. Stick around. We've got more coming up. The next story I wanted to take a look at is actually by The Transformed Wife. Now, a lot of you guys may know The Transformed Wife. I covered her tweets on a video, on a podcast video fairly recently. And she has some really interesting advice for people. So let's give this a read and see what advice she has for this person. The name of the blog article is Developing Thicker Skin as a Newlywed. This is an email I received from a young woman named Sarah recently. Quote, I'm a young newlywed. I don't have any older women in my life that can give me biblical advice. That's why I'm writing to you and hope that's all right. Being married is all new to me and it's not as easy as I thought it would be. I really did put hope in God helping me, but I keep failing and having to live with my mother-in-law is not easy. My husband and I have recently been having fights every time he gets off work. He's very critical of me, and I'm very sensitive. I have no thick skin. I start to act hurt, and that's how the fights start. How can I get a thicker skin? <sighs> okay, there's a lot wrong with this. First of all, he's very critical of her. It sounds kind of like an abusive relationship, like an emotionally abusive relationship, and she doesn't like the fact that she's in a, an emotionally abusive relationship, and he's using that as more reason to be emotionally abusive. That sounds really, really problematic. And another thing that I have an issue with regarding this story is the fact that the transformed wife, of course, what else would you expect, is going to tell her she needs to stay with him no matter what. They made this promise to be together till death do us part, blah, blah, blah. You know what? If somebody is being emotionally abusive to you, you should leave, period. But let's continue reading this. Uh, there's more to it. So let's see what else uh, happens here. I feel the sadness fill my whole body and I can't help crying. My husband doesn't like my crying and many times I feel like I've done nothing wrong. He seems to try to put me down. I do clean our home every day and I cook for him. 
So this is the transformed wife talking again. I can relate to this woman. I thought I was a submissive, godly wife to my husband since I cleaned our home, cooked for him, and was even available for him sexually, but I was extremely sensitive and easily offended. If my husband said or did something I didn't like, I would get angry and cry. I would stomp upstairs and wait for him to apologize, no matter who was at fault. It was definitely a manipulation tool that I didn't completely realize at the time. It certainly didn't draw my husband to myself. Men get tired of seeing their wives in tears over every wrong they perceive. We married imperfect men. We're imperfect. It's learning to accept him as he is and not trying to change him. That's God's job. Okay, this is, this is fascinating to me right here. She just said it's learning to accept him as he is and not trying to change him. That is actually sound advice. That is very true. You shouldn't try to change somebody. They are who they are. I mean, there may be, you know, little things here or there that you want to change. Like maybe they leave the toilet seat up or maybe they're not doing quite enough uh, around the house to help you out or whatever. Nothing wrong with talking about that stuff. Nothing wrong with trying to get them to help more or do something or whatever. Trying to change them, trying to change their personality or, or something like that is destructive. You should not be doing that. If you don't like who they are, you should leave. That's just what it is. It's the fallacy of change is what it is. It's a cognitive distortion in psychology and cognitive behavioral therapy. Any therapist worth their salt will tell you your happiness is your responsibility. Nobody else's. You should... Uh, Find happiness for yourself. It's not people around you's responsibility to keep you happy. The point behind this is if somebody, if you're, tr if you're expecting somebody to change to make you happy, you're just, you're going to be sad for the rest of your life. You have to find happiness for yourself, within yourself. And if they are genuinely making you miserable, you need to leave them. I know that's not the Christian answer, but that's the answer from psychology. You, you, you can't try to change somebody into who you want them to be. You either accept them for who they are or you don't. Our husbands aren't going to treat us exactly as we want them to treat us. Women struggle with their emotional nature, and this is something that we must learn to control if we want a better marriage. Being led by our emotions gets us nowhere. When a husband doesn't treat his wife the way she wants to be treated or says something that offends her, the quicker she learns not to react but to give up to the Lord, to give it up to the Lord, the better. This makes for a much more peaceful marriage. To give it up to the Lord. I mean, as I said, um, you shouldn't be trying to change somebody. Your happiness is your responsibility. I don't know what Jesus has to do with that, though. Why is she even dragging Jesus into this conversation? People seem to have made relationships work just fine without Jesus. Kind of a bizarre thing to do here. We must also remember that it takes two to fight, Sarah. It takes only one to not fight. Not, not necessarily. I mean, some people can keep up a blind rage for a good long time, whether the other person's involved or not. Be the one to not fight. I mean, it, it, it sounds to me like this dude is just, like, emotionally abusing her. That's not—the onus isn't on her. Like, that's not her fault. This dude is being a piece of garbage. I mean, I know absolutely nothing about this situation. I don't know these people. I don't know what kind of relationship they're in. But based on what I'm reading here, this guy is being emotionally abusive to her. The onus is not on her. 
to not fight. I mean, it, the onus is on him to not be a piece of shit. Just based on what I'm reading here, that, that's how it seems to me. State your opinion in a kind way and then let it go. You don't have to be right, and you don't even have to try to make your husband understand you completely. He is a male and you are a female. This alone keeps you from understanding each other perfectly. But it's God's design and it's good. First of all, that's not God's design. Uh, that's evolution's design, I just want to say. <laughs> uh, let's see. Just because they're different sexes does not mean that they can't understand each other. That that doesn't really make any sense to me, honestly. God, just the perspective that this woman comes from. It, it's so completely different from my perspective or anybody else's perspective that I deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. It looks really, really strange. Whenever he tries to put you down, ping those comments off of your shield of faith straight up to God. Don't allow them to steal your joy. You will never develop a tough skin if you allow your emotions to control you. Okay, pretty good advice here. Don't allow the comments to steal your joy. Your happiness is your responsibility, remember. Don't let somebody else ruin your happiness. You be happy for you, for your own reasons. Don't hinge your happiness on them, basically. You'll continually be like a ping pong ball, up if he's treating you right and down if he's not. Living with a person who gets easily offended isn't easy. It's like having to walk on eggshells with them. You don't want them to walk on eggshells around you, right? Lastly, Sarah, don't try to find your value and worth from your husband. Holy shit, this is actually really good advice right here. Damn. Uh, very, very unexpected from the transformed wife. Find these things in knowing who you are in Christ, or just knowing who you are. Like, you don't have to bring Jesus into it if you don't want. <laughs> Grow up in him. Spend daily time in his word. Uh, unnecessary. Memorize verses and pray daily for your husband. You can't change him, but you can change you by allowing the Holy Spirit and God's word to transform you into the godly woman that he wants you to be. Okay, it started out as good advice and ended as really bad advice. You can't hook your happiness onto him. You can't expect him to make you happy. And in the same vein, you shouldn't be expected to uh, be responsible for his happiness. He needs to find happiness for himself. This is like the psychology perspective. This is what a psychologist would tell you. He needs to find his happiness on his own, outside of you. And you need to do the same. Find your happiness outside of him. But you can add to each other's happiness. You should not be expected to change to suit his needs and wants. And he should not be expected to change to suit your needs and wants. You are your own individual people, and you can be your own individual people, independent of each other. Uh, and just add to each other's happiness. If one of you is responsible for, you, for the other person's happiness, it's going to be a problem in the relationship. You can't change him, but you can change you by allowing the Holy Spirit and God's Word to transform you into the godly woman that he wants you to be. Then you can stand strong against anything your husband says to you and not allow it to affect you because you will remind yourself that God is good and his plan for you is good. He loves you and has saved you.
again, I just don't, you shouldn't be hooking your happiness to somebody else's wagon, bottom line. If somebody is legitimately making you miserable, you should just move on with your life and leave them behind. They are toxic to you. They are hurting you in various ways, physically, mentally, emotionally. Detach yourself from it and find somebody who will make you happy so that they can find somebody who will make them happy or, or add to their happiness in life. It's just not a healthy situation for you to stick it out to the death with somebody that, that makes you straight up miserable. And that's kind of the Christian ideal. It's like humans are not monogamists. At best, we are serial monogamists. We jump from uh, mate to mate to mate. That's how we operate. Some species are monogamous. Some species are polygamous. We are serial monogamists. That's how humans operate. And forcing somebody into, like Jehovah's Witnesses do, forcing them into a situation where they need to get married as young as possible, 18 years old if possible, because, you know, no sex before marriage. That's basically your only option if you don't want to go completely insane. And expecting them to stay in that situation until the day that they die. Not knowing who the person was before they even got married to them. That is so unhealthy. That is destructive. It's just the whole Christian mindset behind this is really, really damaging and dangerous. So an interesting article by The Transformed Wife, sprinkled with some good advice, sprinkled with some bad advice. But fascinating to take a look at the perspective at the very least. So the first super chat I've got here is from Zolfner, $2. Bernie is one of the worst candidates. Interesting that you say that. I'm not sure what reason you have to say that he's one of the worst candidates. I guess it would depend on how you define worst. I think Bernie Sanders is has got some really good policy positions. I'm definitely all for Bernie Sanders. I think he's he's one of the best personally. I guess we just simply disagree on that point. <laughs> but thank you for the super chat. Catface Killer, $5. I live close to the Unification Church. There is chatter about another mass wedding. Is this something we should worry about, or is it just theatrics? I think it's mostly theatrics. The Unification Church, by the way, also known as the Moonies, is where uh, Stephen Hassan came from. That was the cult that he was a part of for like a long time. Fascinating to me that you are close to the Unification Church. They have some really, really weird and destructive beliefs, but they're not as destructive anymore as they once were. Because I believe Sun Myung Moon, the leader, is dead now. And he was really pushing some super toxic, destructive ideas. So take that for what you will. Um, they aren't as bad, but they're still pretty bad. Conundrum44, $5, says, That rainbow cake story is just insane. Very hard to believe. Yeah, really disappointing. But like I said, she's in a better place at this moment anyways. She's in a public school, which is better than a Christian school. Uh, is certainly better than a Christian school that's extreme enough to basically try to prevent her from having certain types of cakes for her birthday. Like, give me a break. Is it really worth expelling somebody over a cake? It That's as extreme as Jehovah's Witnesses and their opposition to anything celebration-related, basically. 
their opposition to anything birthday related, Christmas or Thanksgiving or anything at all. Just as bad as that. Tell you what, that's where I'm going to end it for uh, for today. Appreciate you guys coming on and giving this a listen. And I will talk to you next week. If you like what I do and you want to make sure I can continue to do it, you can support me in a few ways. First, you can support me on Patreon. That's probably the best way. But if you want to get something back for your support, you can check out my Teespring. I sell all kinds of shirts and stickers and stuff on there. Second, you can support me by checking out my Etsy store. I sell 3D printed stands for every system from the original Nintendo to the Xbox One. And finally, if you want to support me in other ways, you can check me out on my other channels. I have the podcast channel, which is where I talk about whatever's on my mind. Politics, social issues, whatever. You can also find it everywhere podcasts can be found. Or you can check out the videos on my main channel where I focus on destructive cults. As it is with most channels these days, I rely on the support of viewers like you to keep my channel alive, so sharing my work is extremely helpful. Anyways, check me out in all those places if you haven't already. Thanks for listening, guys.